Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My very special guest this week is Elise Bloom, co-founder of Articulated Intelligence in Denver, Colorado. Personally, Elise doesn't attend networking events anymore, where hundreds of people are standing around drinking and trying to connect. The sheer amount of people and lack of facilitation overwhelms her and sends her into a dizzying spin of anxiety, not to mention a complete waste of her time. Professionally, she helps humans build relationship equity with themselves and with others using scientifically proven techniques that alleviate anxiety while increasing confidence. As a certified professional networking coach, consultant, and storyteller, she tells you how to network like a pro, even if you're highly introverted, so you can effectively communicate, stand out from the crowd, and show you how to flip the script from living in a negatively dominated headspace to a space with patience, acceptance, and recognize an R-O-N, return on networking. I love that. You got to trade that. Trademark that, at least if you have it already. Welcome to the podcast, Elise. Thanks for taking the time out to, to, to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's great. I know you're really busy. You and your 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 your, your partner uh, with, with the business, things are going great. And uh, we're going to have uh, Keith Bailey, your partner, on next week as well to continue our journey together. Uh, but before we get started, why why do you do what you do? And how do your values align with your work on a day-to-day basis, Elise? Yeah, it's a great question. I, Keith and I are really big believers in focusing in on why we do what we do and even weaving in why into teaching people how to build relationship equity, teaching people how to become storytellers. And so why I do what I do is simple. I believe that we are all storytellers. We are not born storytellers. We are made storytellers with practice, with coaching, and with accountability. And through storytelling, we can build lifelong, meaningful relationships. And in this world where we have incredible tools to connect us from all over the world, such as how we're connecting right now, it can also lead to people just feeling really alone. And so we believe that storytelling and helping people build relationship equity is one of the most important things that we can do to keep humans feeling connected and alive and most importantly, happy. And so that's one of the main reasons why we do what we do. So it's a wonderful backstory. I really, and I agree with you. If you look at any profession, even sports, you know, uh, management, uh, sales, 
they're, they're not born, they're built. And having, yeah. uh, having a program and a set of tools and some coaching equity to help someone develop those skills are so essential and so needed in today's world. I love that, you know, it, it's all about making, you know, making people feel connected and happy. Uh, w- what a wonderful uh, you know, platform to, to be working in, a great space to be working in, for sure. So I always like to ask my guests a little bit about their background, uh, Elise. So maybe you could tell our listeners about your journey that has helped you get to where you are today. Yeah. So speaking of what we just talked about, you know, why I do what I do, I was asked a question by a colleague, a colleague who uh, I met in a coaching certification program back in 2012. And she said to me, you know, if you could do anything and and get paid, but like just focus on what you would do, like what would you specialize in specifically as a coach? And I said, networking. And she said, well, then you should do that. And I was like, yeah, but everyone knows how to network. Like, that's not something, and she goes, oh, my gosh, Elise, no, that's not, that is that is a lie that you've somehow made true in your own mind. And I was so grateful for her uh, kind of encouraging me to go forward with becoming what, at the time, I was calling myself a networking coach. You know, at the time, um, there were a lot of business coaches that existed, a lot of career coaches that existed, but a networking coach was pretty unique. And at first, it really scared me. You know, I was like, oh, gosh, well, I can't find anyone else that has this title. And then when I flipped the script and said, well, also, that could be a great opportunity, right? Like, can I create a new space in the market where there isn't, you know, an infiltration of blank type of coaches? And so that's how the journey of my coaching practice really started and, and how I niched the business around networking. But if we look back, you know, my journey, if you ask anyone that knows me well, especially my family, they'll tell you that I've been doing this kind of work, this kind of work meaning connecting with people and really getting to know people and going deep quickly since I was a little, little girl. In fact, you can imagine me at, a, at an airport and I have uh, an older brother and an older sister and they were sitting down, my sister was reading, my brother was probably p- playing a Game Boy And I was roaming around the airport within, you know, a normal reach for my parents to see me. And I would go up to total strangers and just ask them questions. And I've always had this innate curiosity to know about people and learn about people. And while you can do that through games and books, my preferred method, like I said, even since I was a little girl, has always been directly through conversation with other human beings. That's, that's a wonderful, you know, it's, it's like a, an interactive curiosity and what a, what a fabulous quality to have. I really like what you were talking about with the, the networking. It, instead of accidental networking, intentional networking, and you filled a need in the market that was not served at all. So congratulations, mm-hmm. uh, at least for being a trailblazer. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> And, and you and your well, team you. have, have been at it for some years together, and it, it, it's awesome. Your business is doing so well. We always like to look at you know the, the, what the successes are and our wins, and it. But you know what? Every business owner has had challenges, have had issues. You know, things haven't always gone in a straight line. There's a lot of squiggly before we get up the hill. Often, what 
you know, what's the biggest mistake you've made as a business owner, Elise? Yeah, another good question. You know, you mentioned Keith, and, and I'm sure the listeners will hear his podcast as well, but Keith and I have only been in business together um, going on three years. And we had known each other for a handful of years before that. In fact, we had both um, been working for a large law firm as consultants, and we met through that client. And honestly, before we get to the biggest mistake, I, I will also share, which you didn't ask, but I will fill in, is you know, working with Keith and Renee, we have, there's three of us, has been like the greatest part of this journey for me. Um, and I feel so, so lucky and so grateful and blessed to have found two, I don't even want to call them business partners. I want to call them like friendship partners in business um, to, to create this work with. But before meeting Keith and then ultimately meeting Renee, I was a solo practitioner. And Oftentimes, you know, I was approached by different people of let's collaborate, let's do a workshop together, let's put on a series of events, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And at one point, um, I was I was connected to um, a gentleman, and he ran a consulting firm of sorts, and he brought me in. And it was almost like he said, gosh, I have all of these clients and, and they're paying me, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to work with them. But I'm so busy, you know, out there finding more clients that, like, I need someone like you to actually do the work with them. And so for someone like me, you know, at that stage in my career, I was just working alone. I was like, oh, you're going to just feed me perfect clients that want specific networking help? Great. But if I look back and was honest with myself, there were always, maybe not red flags, but let's call them hot pink flags, right? They weren't always so clear. And it ultimately ended this relationship with me and this gentleman when, you know, I, I tried to cover my bases. He brought me on. I was working with a couple of his clients, and I had created my own contract just to make sure everything was really clear. And it resulted in a conversation between he and I where he was upset because I had billed for two extra hours with a client of his, even though the client was extremely happy and there was progress being made and all things were really well. And the contract even outlined that, you know, if we go over X amount of hours, this is how it will be billed. And he had signed it. And we were on the phone and he, I can't tell you, I don't feel like I've ever been screamed at or put down in the way that this gentleman spoke to me. And this was, again, over two extra hours being built where the client was happy. And I remember sitting in my living room that day with this gentleman just on the phone screaming at me and yelling and, and basically telling me that I would never be successful and that I should just suck it up and take these two extra hours off of the invoice that I had sent his firm and just keep moving along because he was going to help me become, you know, someone great. And if I just kind of sucked it up, I would be a, a great someone because of him. And I held it together on the phone and got off the phone. And I, of course, I just started crying and I called my husband. And I was just so shocked that, you know, in this modern day that people still treat people this way. Especially, again, in my mind, it was something so minute. But it's a bigger lesson when I look back of, you know, when you are putting yourself out there as a small business owner, 
you're putting yourself out there, not just for the services that you offer and provide, but as an individual. And it can be very trying and it can also be very rewarding. But I should have looked at those, again, those red flags and those hot pink flags all along the way. Um, I think it's easy as human beings to see kind of the dangling carrots or the, the, the flashy lights and say, oh, well, uh, it's not that red. It's not that pink. I'll just push it along and I'm sure it will get better. In, in, in this case, it didn't. And so it taught me a really important lesson that, one, I didn't need anyone else to, quote, unquote, feed me clients or make me someone, right? I could do that on my own. I was already doing that on my own. But more importantly, it brings me to present day and my partnership with Keith and Renee in that not once have they ever made me feel the way that that gentleman did, right? And that there are ways to work with people and to not be afraid to go into partnership um, for various reasons because there are incredible people out there who truly want to help you get to the best place wherever you want to be, but do so in a way that lifts you up and rather than dragging you down and keeping you there based out of fear and, and um, I don't know if you know the word, you know, out of fear and just kind of manipulation. And so um, for a long time after that incident with that gentleman, you know, I, I was very hesitant to do anything in collaboration with other coaches or consultants. Um, but, you know, luckily years passed. And like I said, I met Keith um, through an introduction from an existing client of both of ours. And um, it just became a very organic, authentic friendship that then has turned into a business relationship. And like I said, it has been honestly one of the greatest joys of my entire work as a coach and consultant. That's that's quite the story. And, and I can't believe over two hours. And, you know, it's called, it's called scope creep. And, and that happens. I, I So many projects that I've done through the, through the decades and... You know, you quote something and it turns out, you know, wait a minute, we need a few more hours to finish this off, maybe even days. And, you know, client, as long as you communicate it, it, it you know, accurately, no one's going to have a problem with that. We all know that this happens. I can't believe this fellow uh, treated you so poorly. Uh, but it taught you, uh, in a way, it would maybe meant to happen. It taught you a lesson about what real mm-hmm. collaborative teamwork is like. And now you've found mm-hmm. it. So... Great, uh, great way to, to use that bad story to help you with the steps going forward to a far, far better story, at least. That's, that's quite the story for sure. Talking about stories, we've all heard that storytelling is an important tool for any you know, professional to master. Uh, how does articulated intelligence teach people to become good storytellers, at least? Yeah. Well, first of all, we, we already touched on one quote that we really believe in, in terms of teaching people to become storytellers, which is becoming a storyteller, right? It's, we, we use a quote um, that I believe we made up. <laughs> so we usually give ourselves credit for it. And if, if someone else used it, we would be happy to give them credit. But the quote is, storytellers aren't born, they are made. And we believe that if we go into any situation with any client, and when I say client, I mean if we're working with someone one-on-one, but more often than not, you know, we are delivering keynotes and speaking at conferences and, and facilitating interactive sessions. And so those are our clients. And we usually ask the audience by saying, 
you know, who arrived today for this conference or this session with the mindset of, I'm a storyteller, right? And let's say you'll see maybe a, a couple of hands to, you know, regardless of how big the group is, go up. And by the end of the session, we'll ask that question again. Who now believes that you are in the process of becoming a better storyteller? And then you see almost every hand go up. And so what we've done, and this is really with so much credit to Keith and his creative vision, is we have created a trademarked approach to teaching people how to find, shape, and then share stories. And so it's a three-pronged approach called the With One Word Storytelling Methodology. And again, most people are going to say, um, I don't have any stories to tell. Like nothing ever that special has happened to me in my life. I've lived kind of a basic life. I've never, I've never been to the moon. I've never climbed, you know, Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. never encountered death. What stories do I have? And so what we've created is this first prong, right, which is either finding or searching for stories. And this is the most important prong, in my opinion. It's giving people this insight into you have, we all have incredible stories to share based on our past experiences, our past memories. And once we learn how to look for those, which is the process we take people through, using just one word as a prompt to trigger people back into their mind's eye, we can then help people people shape that story. And so then, um, you know, 99% of our clients are corporate clients. So they'll say, well, I, I need to share these data points and these facts and figures. And we'll say, great. There's always opportunities to incorporate data and facts and figures. But if you want to connect with your audience in the most meaningful way, you need to incorporate a story, right, which includes feelings. We talk about mm-hmm. the part of the human brain, which is called the limbic part of the brain, which is responsible for feelings. And so when we talk about, you know, it, me going back to my childhood in the airport, I took you with me to the airport. And for anyone who's ever been in an airport or seen a movie with an airport, you felt what that was like to see a little girl roaming around talking to people while looking at her brother and sister sitting in the chairs playing a game and reading. Like, that's a feeling. That's, an, that's a scene I've created for you as the audience. And, it, and it's, not, it's not overly crazy. It's just an average memory of mine, right, being a young person that truly, when I took the time to think about it, has helped shape who I am today. And then, and then the third part of this storytelling process, right, we've helped people search for stories and then shape them. And then he says, and it's so brilliant, if you want to become a storyteller, you have to share it out loud. And that's the only way to become a storyteller is saying the story out loud. If you want to write it down, that's also great. But that's more of a journey to become an author. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a storyteller, right, we need to say it out loud. And so we articulated intelligence have created this three-pronged approach that any person can use. Again, we give a prompt word, which is the with one word, to help you think through your, your experiences, right? Oftentimes, we lead with a word like teacher. And then we play a game called first, best, last, worst. So right now, right, Ian, if I asked you, you know, who was your first or your best teacher of life, you've likely already thought of someone or something, like a teaching moment. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Would right? be, it would be that's, my father. My late father. There you go. Sure. Exactly. So that's the first part. That's the searching. Now the shaping, right? And again, I, I know we don't have a lot of time, but we then take people through and we say, okay, well, tell us, Ian, about your father, right? Like, place us in a situation. Place us in a location. Right? Right. What happened in one of these stories? How did it resolve? 
And then most importantly, you know, for a storyteller is to share what does it mean to you? What did it mean to you then or what does it mean to you today? That story with that person. And then you sharing it out loud is that third prong. So, again, we take people through this three-pronged process, um, and it can be very um, simple or, you know, we can make it as robust as the client needs depending on if they are using it for a keynote, if they're using it for a pitch, if they're using it for an interview, whatever their needs are, we can always help clients find stories to be able to really connect to their audience. That makes sense. What a, what a service. It's so needed. And I completely agree. Uh, storytellers are made. They're not born. And having a methodology for it is, is brilliant. That find, shape, and share. And with the trigger of one word that, that can invoke a feeling, uh, what, what a fabulous uh, a fabulous process to have and a wonderful thing for, for your customers to have. And I'm sure they're benefiting uh, dramatically from, from your services, Elise. I always like to ask my uh, my guests about uh, what books are you reading, right? So what's the most powerful book you've read this year and how has it impacted you uh, for your work? So in previous conversations, you and I have mentioned the, the negative impacts that loneliness has specifically on a human need for social connection. Can you share a little more with our listeners about that, Elise? Yeah, well, you've you've set me up perfectly without even knowing it um, because, yes, I've become almost obsessed with the study and the focus of loneliness. And that might sound weird as someone who, again, is who believes that the work I do is all about connection. But there's the reason that I'm obsessed with loneliness is because of this book that I read. And if I'm being honest, I've actually become um, a, really um, a big, um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on the word audible person. So audible is, you know, when you listen to books versus reading them. And I find that I retain so much more information and I connect so much more um, with audible. And this is not a promotion for audible. Um, oftentimes the books are read by the authors. And so you get to hear their voices, which is a huge value of mine, which is like listening and connecting through someone's actual voice. And so this book together was written by um, actually the 19th Surgeon General, which is our current Surgeon General of the United States, and his name is Dr. Vivek Murthy. And the book together, oh my gosh, I cannot say enough good things about it, breaks down why we as human beings, because we're not robots yet, so we, we as human beings need, like we need a social connection in order to survive. And I'm not saying we need it like, oh, we need it to build a network and, you know, be able to get a job or be able to get a client. I'm saying need it to survive as much as we as human beings need water and food to survive. We need social connections. And yet we are living in a world, um, even pre-pandemic and now in this semi-post-pandemic world, that is more lonely than ever before. And the and so I have now taken the research from Dr. Vivek Murthy and many of the other scientists and social scientists that he uses at their research into many of what I speak on. Because most clients come to us saying, we're having a conference, we're having this, we're having that, we need someone to talk about networking or how to build connections. And I'm now saying, I can absolutely do that. But it would be remiss of me to not go into why do we need to network? Why are these connections so vital for us as human beings, not just for the business side, 
but for us as humans to continue to live, right? If you want your workforce to stay, if you want your attrition rates to go low, right? If you want your talent to remain, you need to identify that people are lonely. And there are things that you can do as a company and as a culture to help people not feel lonely and help give them the tools to then build, again, relationship equity or see an RON, a return on networking. And so, again, I have just become almost obsessed in a good way with this book. It's called Together by Vivek Murthy. Um, And it's not overly, it's not, I wouldn't say like it's this dark, depressing book. So many beautiful examples of how people when they are facing loneliness or facing um, just feelings of less than how they can tap into various types of social connections to feel better. And again, my work from you know, 12 years ago, if we go full circle to one of the original questions, why I do what I do, my work has never, ever been to make people extroverted. That's a common misconception. People are like, oh, if I'm going to be a great networker, I guess I have to be extroverted. And actually, you don't. I actually believe, truly believe that introverts, those who are more introverted when networking, are better at networking than extroverts. We've just been taught that extroverts are kind of like the cast meow when it comes to networking and sales. Another amazing, amazing book um, is by a woman by the name of Susan Cain, and it's called Quiet. And so together, that book, Quiet and Together, have really given me the tools to help people meet them where they're at and say, if you're highly introverted when it comes to networking or social, social situations, you can not only become a great networker, but you are also a great storyteller. And let me help you take your innate tools to reach whatever goals you have, but also encouraging people that, again, in this very kind of... Um, distracted and lonely world that we have to find ways to be social in order to not just survive, but ideally to thrive. That's just so, so important. And I really agree with you, Elise, like the COVID impact that just made things worse uh, for that loneliness thing with, you know, yeah, people are working at home, but really what does that mean? They're living at work. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. two sides to that coin and, and, uh, I, I love Audibles as well, so uh, a big plug for them. I'm, I'm happy to plug them on the show for sure. Social connections, so, so important. Uh, my very special guest uh, this week has been Elise Blum, co-founder of Articulated Intelligence in Denver with her partners, Keith and Renee. Uh, looking forward to having Keith on the, on the podcast next week. Um, again, thanks on behalf of the listeners, Elise, for taking the time and sharing your wonderful uh, wisdom, experience, experience and success with storytelling and networking. Uh, now, I'm sure you've raised the eyebrows and, and the interest of many of our listeners today. How could they best reach out to get a hold of you? Well, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, people can connect with us in, in a lot of ways. Of course, we have an online presence, articulated slap-intelligence.com, articulated-intelligence.com, um, LinkedIn is also a really great place to connect with us and to find me. Um, we have an articulated intelligence page. So that's just articulated, how it sounds, intelligence. And then also with me personally and my name, I'm sure people will see this, but if they are just listening, my name is spelled a little different. And so it's A-L-Y-C-E and then last name B 
L-U-M. So um, the best places, again, on our website and on, on LinkedIn. We also have a handful of um, YouTube videos, but those are all housed on our website. So I think it's best to just send people there so they don't have to be running all over the, the web trying to find us. That's awesome. Once again, Elise, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.